This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. There are many theories about what makes a great leader. Would you like to be a great leader? A 21st century leader? I believe part of being a great leader is being a facilitative leader. My guest today believes the same and has done a lot of work in the field of facilitation. She is a facilitative leader. She's also an organizational psychologist. Dr. Eileen Douse is a global leader specializing in helping to create collective impact for her clients. She's blazing new trails in the practice of agile leadership, which places an emphasis on quality, speed, and collaboration. She has extensive practical experience in the field of global leadership and cultural competency development. Eileen is an award-winning author of The Naked Manager, How to Build Open Relationships at Work. She's also written The Agile Business Leader, The Four Roles of Successful Leaders, which has also been translated into Chinese. She is widely regarded as one of the foremost authorities in facilitation, as she's also the co-founder and chair of the International Institute for Facilitation. Dr. Douse, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eddie. It is truly an honor to be here and to have the opportunity to talk with your wide-ranging audience. Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, if I had to put myself into a bucket, I would say there were three areas that I primarily work with. The first is I do a lot of educational programs, all under the umbrella of leadership and the components of leadership. I also facilitate different types of meetings, whether they be meetings where teams are in conflict or meetings where a group wants to have a brainstorming session or a team building session or a strategic planning session. And I do a lot of executive coaching. And uh, I do that all over the world, uh, in Sweden, in Ghana, in Honduras, uh, Canada, the U.S., Vietnam, China, Hong Kong. If there's a plane that gets there, I'm there. 
<laughs> that is fantastic. And I'm impressed with your range and your depth of scope of your facilitation experience. But then also I've had a chance to get to know you. I should probably tell people in full disclosure how I know you. <laughs> Please, yeah. You and I met because of our mutual love of facilitation. Mm-hmm. But you may not realize this, but the very first time I heard your name was when I read the name of the person who assessed my facilitation skills when I applied to become a certified facilitator through Innofac. There's some sayings that karma will come back and get you, you know? (laughs) So here I am now on your show. Well, I tell you, I hate to admit this to everyone, uh, but my ego was crushed when I did not attain the certification on the first try. So I saw the name of the assessor I saw Eileen Douse. Oh, who is this? Doesn't she know I'm one of the best facilitators around? <laughs> and then a year later, I received an email. Of course, I achieved the certification finally. Uh, I received an email from this Dr. Eileen Douse inviting me for an interview to fill the open seat on the International Institute for Facilitations board. And since that time, We've done a lot together, and I've grown to be quite fond of you. You've become a mentor and a very dear friend, in addition to allowing me to share the privilege of putting a global mark on the facilitation industry as we spread the power of facilitation and the importance of certification around the world. And Eddie, I feel the same. And it truly is like anyone who's listening will know, you know, when some commonalities get created with folks, um, good things happen. Really good things happen. It does. And I truly believe that you're one of the best out there. You're one of the most brilliant people I know, one of the most witty people I know. But you're no softy. You're quite tough. (laughs) You're no pushover. You don't play around with people. That's how we get stuff done. And it takes a lot to control our board when you are dealing with some of the best facilitators in the world and some pretty accomplished people on the NFAC board. It takes a lot to keep us in line. And you do that. (laughs) No, wait a second. Are you saying that's good leadership? It's facilitative leadership at its finest. (laughs) So we're talking about facilitation, but can you explain to our listeners, what do we mean when we say the word facilitation? Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting because depending on what part of the country you go to, some folks are really terrific at having created facilitation in their organizations and within their community groups. And some countries, it's still very much of a brand new concept. So what I'd like to tell people is facilitation is really, in in the purest sense, it's really about helping a group as a you as the facilitator, it's helping the group get to their desired outcome. And I have two metaphors around that. One for your females in the audience that they might be able to relate to is facilitation is often like being a midwife. You're not there, you didn't create the baby, but you're certainly there to help deliver the baby. And that's what a facilitator does. You deliver the final outcome to the group. You help them do that. I've often referred to facilitation, it's a lot like sailing, and you simply have to work with whatever arises. So if you've got some stormy waters in the group, well, you have to deal with that. Whether it's convenient or not, it really doesn't matter. You have to be skilled and qualified to be able to deal with what comes your way. And all in all, in all facilitation, 
you are helping the group move forward. And while your focus is on the group and on their task, you are also very much focused on the process and the people. Very well said. Now, you had asked me about facilitators, and then you introduced a show about facilitative leadership. There is a bit of a difference. What I just described was facilitators. So facilitators really are, you know, guiding the process and helping the group dynamics. And they're very much experts in meeting processes. Whereas someone using a facilitated style, now that can be a facilitative parent a facilitative best friend or a facilitative leader. And they really are uh, partners and they're those leaders. They may instigate to get conversations started and they are experts in both the content and the process. And as you might imagine, as we look at uh, the world becoming so global where um, organizations have people from many different countries as part of their organizations, We have more generations working in one spot than ever before in our history. All different kinds of races are are showing up and preferences, whatever it is. Having that ability to facilitate conversations is just critical for being a good leader. Absolutely. And it is something that you and I have talked about a lot and it's been a lot written on this. The idea that it is a leadership skill It is not just something that should be designated to a select few when it comes to controlling a group norm, being able to bring the best out in others, being able to not necessarily have all the answers, as you said, being experts in the process, not the content is a is a true skill in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very much of a mindset because it's the question when I'm coaching executives is uh, where is your ego? You know, it's hard to be neutral if your ego is heavily involved. Mm-hmm. So where does your ego go when you're really trying to care for uh, getting the group conversing well? Yes. And so you hit on another passion of mine, being able to talk about executive coaching and the similarities between executive coaching and facilitation and To your point, I love how you said that, actually, being able to let go of your ego, being able to let go of not having all the answers and really believing in the group as a facilitator or in the client as a coach, that the answers lie in them. Mm -hmm. And just on that ego thread that we're following here, I will often tell leaders the greatest power is when you can give up power. Of course, they kind of tilt their head and they do the wah, wah, wah. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And what I say to them is, if you let the power, you don't have to control the meeting. You don't have to control the people. You give up the power and you say to folks, what do you think is the right answer? When, When another person feels that it's a collaborative type relationship, recognizing that you have additional information as a leader based on your position, you give up that power a little bit, you will find that the other person will put you in higher regard. You gain more power in the end because you gain that respect and that credibility. Absolutely. Very well said. Now, speaking of these skills, what critical skills would you say are needed by today's leader to work across cultures, races, and ages? Because there's a lot of discussion about that in the business world today. 
Mm -hmm. I would say that there would be three categories. The first one would be your personal capability. Is it is it within your DNA to be a leader? And that bodes that whole question of are leaders born or can you teach leaders? And please let's not go down that path during this conversation. <laughs> that will be about six six more podcasts. Um, so your your personal capability, and the second one is your ability to focus on the business, because as a leader, and I am can only assume you've talked about this in other podcasts, that my message to folks is, if you don't have followers, you probably aren't a leader. You're probably a really smart, great person doing something on your own, but you've got to be leading and having followers wanting to follow you. So how are you leading the business What and whatever that business focus is? And then the last one is, how are you leading the people within the business? So it, it's the business capital and the human capital, and then your personal skills. So within that, it, there's everything from if you have those capabilities, are you resilient? Can you take initiative? Do you have integrity and honesty? And in the business, can you drive results? Do you have technical and professional knowledge? Can you take a strategic perspective? Uh, the whole leadership speed, you know, there's the big, the big piece now is make mistakes, learn quick. It, Life moves really quickly, so come on, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, the concept of failing fast or failing forward. Actually, both. (laughs) Fail fast and fail forward. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even if you're falling on your face, you're moving forward. So keep going, keep going. Um, And then the last one is that human capital. Can you inspire others? Can you build those relationships? Can you collaborate when, you know, people are at, polar opposites of a of an opinion and can you connect with others can you connect different parts of the world then to bring people together i'm also part of a un peace coalition and in one of the meetings i was working with uh, kofi annan and just we had um, you know pakistan and israel i mean we were just working with all these different cultures and boy howdy let me tell you people have different views so how do you bring them together and look for that that common red thread going through the conversation. Yeah, I didn't realize you were working for the UN until I was preparing for the show. And then I realized that's how she's able to control us. <laughs> we're small potatoes in comparison. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I have stories in Honduras. We had to stop a meeting at four o'clock because if we didn't, we had to be on the road and back onto the main highway. Because if we didn't, the men on motorcycles with machetes would come and kill us, which is an incredible motivation to end a meeting on time. Yeah, we get a little unruly at times, but we're not going to take a machete to you. Yeah, no. (laughs) Exactly. Well, wow, that is something. So, yeah, you are definitely facilitating under adverse conditions. Mm. So lots of experience on your end. So thank you for sharing those critical skills with us that we should be striving to hone if we're going to be great leaders, 21st century leaders. Now, would you add anything else to the discussion that we had about the definition of facilitative leadership and uh, what the competencies are that leaders should be incorporating into their portfolio of skills? Uh I am so glad you asked, Eddie. And as you started this podcast, you had indicated that uh, we both are part of an organization called INAFAC, or the International Institute for Facilitation. And what INAFAC did was we went out and, and we said, okay, here's what we think are 
six areas that we think are competencies for facilitators. And then we did a massive survey to find out if that was right. And we we surveyed facilitators, people who use facilitators, people who hire facilitators, and we weren't correct. We weren't correct and we missed some of them. So we went back to the drawing board. And I say that because INAFAC is very much about having quantitative data to indicate that we have the right competencies. And those competencies are a facilitator must have a presence. They must be able to stand in front of that room and bring that compassion and authority at the same time into the room with warmth and caring. They also have to be able to um, assess what the group needs and certainly what the client needs for a good meeting. They have to be able to communicate well. They have to be able to actively listen and process information quickly. And they have to be able to control the group to ensure that the the group is productive, but also very much a safe environment where people can work and feel safe to give their opinions. And the last two, the second to last one is consistency. Um, Are they a great facilitator on Monday and a horrible facilitator on Friday? Or are they consistent? You know what you get when you hire that person or ask that person to facilitate. And the last one is around engagement. Do they have an incredibly large toolbox filled with all kinds of tools for helping a group problem solve or decision-making events or actions or whatever it is, or just to even raise the energy so that people can be in a meeting for three days and still want to stay in more work? All right. Thank you. And uh, we have an acronym for that. If you can just share that for us, you gave us all the details. What's the acronym we use? So again, it was presence assessment, communication, control, consistency, and engagement. And that spells the word pace. And because that there are three C's in there, it's like the C to the third power. The acronym is PACE. Yes, we think that all great facilitators know how to keep pace. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And leaders as well, right? Facilitative leaders, anyone using facilitative skills. Excellent. Thank you for that clarification. So if people want to know more about that, where can they find that everything you just mentioned? Very simply, they can go to the website and that is inifac, I-N-I-F-A-C dot org. So inifac.org. Yes, Interfact.org. We're going to recommend people visit that. And if uh, people want to learn more about becoming a facilitative leader who is recognized for their skills, they get a third-party endorsement of their skills, what level of certification does Interfact offer? Interfact, uh, to be clear, is a certifying body. There are some terrific membership organizations out there. What Interfact does is only certify. And we have a, a base level certification, a CCF, a Certified Competent Facilitator. And then we have the next level up, the Certified Master Facilitator, the type of facilitator who knows how to manage extreme situations or know how to really keep people engaged. Um, And again, on the website, um, all the information is there around the scoring. It's very much a quantitative assessment. And the best part is it's virtual. So you can do it at your own speed and from the comfort of your own home. Excellent. So uh, NFAC offers the highest level certification in the industry. It is the Certified Master Facilitator. 
And so that is third-party independent verification of your skills as a facilitator. Eileen, thank you for sharing this with us. And at this time, what we would like to do is pause for a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. Hello, this is Charles Fred. I'm the CEO and founder of TrueSpace, and you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with Eddie Turner. All right, we are back. We're talking to Dr. Eileen Douse, and she is telling us about facilitation at Facilitative Leadership. Now we're going to transition, and I want to have Dr. Douse talk to us about Agile Leadership. Dr. Douse, you've written a book entitled The Agile Business Leader. What is an Agile Business Leader? Thanks, Eddie. And one of the things that occurred to me, and I was talking to a colleague, and we started swapping stories about some of our clients, and we found that he was, um, still is, a gentleman, an Australian living in Hong Kong, and I was this Canadian living in the U.S. And in all of our worldly experiences with clients, what we found were clients were pulled in two particular vectors, two directions. And one is that the clients really had to focus on their business, right? These leaders, they had to focus on getting their business going, lead that business to success. And they also had to focus on their people because I'm sure you've heard, and I've heard you say this before, why do people leave a position, a company? It's because of the leaders. So there's that poll. And then the other thing we noticed was Leaders have to have this capability, this DNA. It would be great that they have it, but if they don't put it into action, essentially they're a battery. They're just sitting there, not doing anything with it. So there was this other pull that you have the capabilities and you put it in action. And as we talked more about this, what we decided was, you know, in different leadership models, you're a red, green, blue leader, whatever it is, we found that this four-point model created four roles for successful leaders. And the more we talked about it, we said, you know what? It's not that you're the the red leader or the certain kind of leader. You had to be all four. And those four were someone who focused on the business and was very much, had the skills. We called them the specialists. So Eddie, you are certainly a specialist at uh, podcasts and social media and leading groups. Whereas I'm not a specialist on that. I'm a specialist at doing something else. So that was one category, someone who is still focusing on the business, but putting it into action. They're the strategists. How do they strategically get their business maneuvering through all the craziness in life and get the business to be a success? So that's on the business side. On the other side, on the people side, someone who's focused on people, but focus more on themselves, they're the champion. Do they have those, those skills, those abilities, almost like that emotional intelligence to be a good leader or conversational intelligence, which is now the big word by Susan Glasser's book. Um, And then it's great if you have that 
sitting in your office not doing anything with it. Yeah, you could still be a champion, but you're not doing anything with it. So someone who goes out there and puts all of those skills into action are an enabler. And, and often we think of enabler as I'm enabling you and it has a negative connotation. And this is really about enabling people to do well. And that is very much taking a facilitative leader role. So the premise of this entire book, the, the premise of all the research we did, and, and again, we, we did surveys, we did interviews, the whole shit and match, um, is you must be a strategist, a specialist, a champion, and an enabler. That's an interesting take, and I appreciate you explaining that. I'm holding a copy of your book, and I'll put this in the show notes for the audience to be able to see this book. And now I understand the four colors that you have on here and why you have them in a wheel. So it's not a matter of I'm red or yellow. I need to be all four. They're very interesting. Right. The uh, The logo for the Agile Business Leader is like a kind of a very flexible stick man riding on a, on a unicycle. And we made it a wheel because... There's sometimes that you have to be more of an enabler and there's sometimes you have to be more of a strategist and you must have access to all of those. And if you have a flat tire, if, if you don't have that sort of emotional intelligence, you, you're going to be flat and you're going to start wobbling there. So it's going to make it harder to be in those other areas as well. And so in your book, you do a great job of defining those four, but you also explain to people how they can figure out where they are and how they can take action steps to get to their desired state. Yeah, right. And in fact, when I do uh, training programs, I have folks fill out a self-assessment and then throw it out wherever it is, a three-day program, a one-week program, whatever we do. They will check in again at the end of the week, and I will also give them some feedback based on that model. So it's it's something that they can compare themselves to, and we'll use it then for executive coaching to say, okay, you you know, self-assist yourself this way. Let's see what areas you want to work on. Excellent. So clients have the opportunity to have the assessment. They have this book. They can have you lead a workshop for them where they can learn more in depth through three to five days and even do one-on-one as their executive coach. So that's wonderful. Thank you. And you know what? I'm now going to tease you, Eddie, because you <laughs> pointed out that we hang out together. I just want to say what a wonderful enabler, agile business leader enabler you are. Um, brilliant, brilliant reframing and feeding back what I said. And that's, that's a perfect example here that a facilitative leader, a facilitator has to feed back and say, hey, wait, am I understanding this correctly? So I thank you for modeling that behavior. Well, that's very kind of you to say, well, I, I don't have a choice but to do that, especially <laughs> after you assess me and make sure <laughs> that I got that correct and I've learned to do a better job. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope you're not there rocking in the fetal position from that experience somewhere. Oh, it took me quite a while to get over it, but I, I'm over it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we all need those lessons. But yes, yeah, so I, I humble myself before you. <laughs> so uh, you also give a really nice acronym for what Agile means in your book and mm. ABL for the Agile Business Leader. Would you right. uh, just like to share those briefly with us? Yeah, sure. So the Agile Business Leader is just as it is, the ABL. And we really have entered into a world more so, I would say, in the last three to five years, everybody's using acronyms, right from FOMOs to, you know, (laughs) 
all over the place. Yes. Um, the other acronym that we used is we had so many leaders that wanted to know a nice tool for coming up with a strategic planning model. So we created a model called the Agile Strategic Thinking Model. And in all honesty, what I find is I'm also using it for coaching. So if you have any coaches listening, feel free to use this model. And it's based very much by using positive psychology. There's a lot of thinking out there that if you talk to a person and focus on someone's problems, not only do they feel terrible, um, then they may say, wow, after our conversation, I thought I had three problems. Now I realize I have 10 and I feel really bad. As opposed to more of us almost like a solution focused and saying, let's take the best of what is and use that as the momentum to move forward to make changes. When you do that, the human psyche is much more likely to want to go on that journey with you. So that's what the agile strategic thinking model approach does. So the A in that acronym stands for assess the situation. If you were to tell me, Eileen, I want to uh, double the size of my podcast audience, we would have a conversation and say, hey, what's the situation that it might not be that way? So that's using it for both strategic thinking and if I was doing some coaching. The G in the Agile model stands for generate or generating an understanding of our strengths. So rather than saying, well, why is it not working, Eddie? What are you doing wrong, Eddie? What have you failed at, Eddie? What I'd be saying is, Eddie, tell me about why you are so great at these podcasts. People are listening. People are listening all over the world. What are you doing that's really working well? And then suddenly, the other person's kind of on board. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do more of what's working well? Then the I in the Agile model is for innovating a desired future state. This is what's saying, you know, Eddie, if I had a handful of pixie dust and could just throw it on the situation, the perfect world, if a miracle could happen, what would be that perfect state for you, that desired state? And we get silly and we brainstorm and we come up with wild and crazy ideas. And the L then in the Agile model is taking those strengths that you came up with and that creative idea that you came up with and putting it together to get a little bit more realistic to say, okay, what could we really do? If any of your audience has the opportunity to watch Netflix and has watched the show Black Mirror, there is a whole different kind of thinking out there, Black Mirror being like black screen on your phone and just what technology is doing. And so the whole concept of what is possible um, has gotten smaller and smaller right now because anything is possible. And then the E stands for the evaluate and create options. All right, what are you going to do next week? What are you going to do next month? Let's make it happen. So that's the agile strategic thinking model. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. A-G-I-L-E. It has more than one meaning. So uh, listeners will be able to dig deeper into that uh, by reading your work or by reaching out to you. So one last thing I want to share. You're just so fascinating. You cover a lot of ground. Um, And some of the work that I'm doing for a client, uh, you actually have supplied the content for that client. And you wrote a white paper that is what the, the designer 
read and thought, wow, we need this as a part of this curriculum. And you explore what accountability means for leaders. Can you tell my listeners what the difference is between accountability and responsibility from your research? I'm happy to. And a little bit of backstory here. My dissertation was on what personality traits contribute to accountable behavior. So uh, I kept hearing everybody saying, oh, we need more people to be accountable in our organizations. And I said, well, here's an idea, hire an accountable person. So I really dug in deep on what is accountability. And if you just take from the from the actual structure of the word, accountability is your ability to account for your actions. And sometimes it gets confused with responsibility, which is your ability to respond to a task. When you think about it like that, so responsibility is taking the necessary action or carrying out an assigned task and saying, yep, I'm going to do that. Whereas accountability is really about being answering or answerable to your actions. And then that bodes a whole bunch of questions about, well, then who can be accountable? And if you think someone who has any type of mental disability or is any way challenged can they really, um, do they have rational behavior? Anyone who has any type of mental illness, can they be accountable for their actions? The answer is no. If I'm agreeing to be on this podcast and I'm currently based in Dallas, if there's a tornado here, which there almost was two days ago, if there was a, this unforeseen event, should I be held accountable for not being on this podcast? No. So you can't be accountable or unforeseen events are held accountable. And then what about this conversion where if your expectations and my actions were so divergent, it just, it wouldn't work. So that's you can be held accountable. We have to think about that. And then what can you be accountable for? There are also three things. You can be accountable for finances, so the money. You can be accountable for fairness. Um, and you can be accountable for performance. And as you and I have spoken in the past, this conversation has really started getting people to think about it. We, I think we use the word very uh, loosely around accountability. Everybody wants people to be accountable, but it's not so easy. Yes. So in more cases, we need to look for people to be responsible, but have a person that is accountable for the responsible people, yes. Exactly. And just as a fun little side note, what I found with these traits was they're really, it really just came down to two. There were like 14 full traits for an accountable person. But if you broke them into two categories is commitment and self-management were the two areas that make up an accountable person. All right. Well, very good. I've enjoyed your sharing this uh, and getting us to think differently on this, Dr. Douse. So if I were to summarize what I'm hearing in our conversation today, it would be that leaders of the future are facilitative and agile. And now I'm going to also add accountable. (laughs) There we go. There we go. So what advice or words of wisdom would you share with the listeners on the Keep Leading podcast? Ooh, words of wisdom. You know, we have talked so much during this program on about being agile and thinking differently and all my work around the world, there really is no one right answer. You know, you go into a country and you you cannot go in 
thinking that you know it all. You really have to be very agile in your thinking to work with others, to lead others, to encourage and engage others. So I am reminded of a quote that uh, I think it's like from 1963, so long ago. Um, And this probably ties up the way I live and the way I think. And it's an unknown author, so sorry if If you're out there and you came up with this, please tell me because I would love to quote you. And the quote is, today's mighty oak is just yesterday's little nut that held its ground. Today's mighty oak is just yesterday's little nut that held its ground. All right. Well, thank you for that. Meaning that there's hope for us all if we (laughs) stay resilient, huh? Hey, I've been that little nut for a long time. (laughs) My wife says I'm still a nut, but uh, that's another story. (laughs) That's a whole other podcast. Well, wonderful. Where can my audience learn more about you? Well, they can certainly do any kind of Google search. I'm apparently all over Google these days. And if they would like to contact me or learn more specifics about me, they can contact me on my website at www.human-dynamics.com. So that's human-dynamics.com. Excellent. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and you're just someone who I look up to and admire tremendously. So thank you for being on the Keep Leading podcast. Eddie, it has truly been an honor and very much a delight. Thank you. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.